Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you this morning. Good morning to you. Praise be to God. Got a great show lined up for you this morning. We're going to have an interesting conversation later in this hour with Thomas Spence. Uh, Regenery Publishing, he is the uh, publishing house that's going to be putting out Senator Josh Hawley's new book, The Tyranny of Big Tech. He, as you might recall, was dropped by Simon & Schuster right after the January 6th situation on the Capitol Hill there. And Thomas Spence and his company picked them up. So we're going to have a conversation about blacklisting the new normal, especially in the, the publishing world, you know, apparently if you've if you have send, you can never recover from it in our modern day and age. At least that's what it seems with the cancel culture. So we're going to have that conversation with Thomas Spence later in the show. Of course, we're going to have breaking news and stories, saying of the day, gospel of the day. We'll have a what's concerning us section as well. All of that in this hour. Plus, our team is here. Good morning, Emily Alcaraz. Good morning, Joe. How are you doing? Praise God. I'm alive. How are you? Good. I'm also alive. Also alive. So that's great. That's a great start. We're both here and we're alive. Amen to that. Of course, Adrian Fonseca is on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning, Joe. Um, my parents had their anniversary yesterday, uh, so I just wanted to say happy anniversary to my parents if they're listening. Congratulations. So, yeah, congratulations. Praise be to God. Uh, I won't ask you how many years, Adrian, because yes. we had that conversation. And, and I don't remember. And it didn't go my well. Something but. like 25, 26 <laughs> years, something like that. I'm not 100% sure. Praise be to God. Congratulations. Uh, thanks for thanks for witnessing the, uh, the powerful sacrament of matrimony in society. We're very grateful to them for that. And anybody who's celebrating an anniversary today, wouldn't it be cool if some folks like let us know that they're celebrating anniversaries this week? Absolutely. Put down in the comments. We'll give you a shout-out, um, and, and I'll be happy to give you a shout-out, anniversaries for this week. So if you're hanging out with us anywhere, you can uh, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. Just search for us uh, with Catholic Drive Time. You can comment there. Let us know where you're from, and if you have any but I would, can we throw in birthdays too? Is that okay? Throw in a birthday. All right. Yeah. You're just I so generous. You're, just, you're too generous. Yes. If you have a pet named Fred, I would like to know. No, I'm teasing. No, I'm, I'm really getting ridiculous. Uh, but again, on the show, Thomas Spence is going to be our guest segment. We're looking forward to that. Uh, Regenery Publishing, Blacklisting is going to be our conversation today. So, Big show, full show lined up. Let's begin with our prayers. I, of course, am including all of your intentions, dear listener, in our prayers today. I'm also praying for the president, uh, President Joe Biden. I'm praying especially for his reversion and conversion on the on the life issues, on the non-negotiable issues. Uh, praying for the Lord to give him extra graces to, uh, to change his heart and his mind on those. Of course, uh, praying for peace in our country as well. For my own family, our team here, our, our radio apostolates at the Station of the Cross and the Guadalupe Radio Network, and for our equipment and to function properly. Let's ask Our Lady to whisper these intentions into the ear of her Son, that he may draw us ever somewhere closely into his most sacred heart. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear 
and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz. The Supreme Court has ruled in favor of an inmate requesting a priest at his execution. In a set of orders released on Monday morning, the court vacated a ruling of the 5th U.S. Circuit Court against Ruben Gutierrez, a Catholic death row inmate in Texas challenging the state's prohibition of chaplains at executions. One attorney at the Religious Freedom Legal Group, Beckett, said the decision was a win for religious freedom and called on the state of Texas to stop fighting Gutierrez's case in court and provide him with a priest at his execution. The Texas Catholic Conference of Bishops had called the state's denial of a chaplain for Gutierrez an egregious rejection of the possibility of forgiveness and redemption while the state commits the violence of an execution. Among COVID fears and political unrest, organizers expected only hundreds of people at the West Coast Walk for Life. Almost 2,000 people showed up. In the wake of the Washington, D.C. March for Life being canceled this year, and in light of the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol, the organizers of the West Coast Walk said they wrestled with the decision of whether to hold the walk or create a virtual event. The organizers stated, Finally, we concluded that a public witness to the 63 million lives lost through abortion more than justified the risk. It made it our duty. The walk was dedicated to Joe Scheidler, the grandfather of the pro-life movement, who passed away last week. Another accusation has come out against Chicago's father, Michael Flager. A second alleged victim has accused the activist priest of sexually abusing him as a minor decades ago. The Chicago Archdiocese has confirmed to local media. The priest has strongly denied both accusations, which come from two brothers. The men, both black, are in their early 60s and live in Texas. The younger brother told the other brother that he had filed the complaint against Flager and the older man said that he had also been abused by the priest. Cardinal Blaise Supich of Chicago asked Flager to step away from his duties in early January after the first accusation, and the Archdiocese reported the first allegation to the Illinois Department of Children and Family Services. Chinese propaganda is scapegoating Catholics after a rise in COVID cases. Fueled by social media posts from Chinese officials, Chinese Catholics have been blamed for a recent app apparent resurgence of COVID-19 cases near Beijing. The rumors also claimed that a number of European and American priests came to participate in the religious ceremonies without taking any preventative measures, bringing the virus with them. Despite admitting that the source of the recent outbreak had not been identified, China's second vice premier, Sun Chunlan, stated, It is necessary to learn lessons from the spread of the epidemic caused by religious activities and suspend group activities in religious places of worship and other gathering places. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Tuesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. St. Mary and St. Xenophon pray for us. They are the martyred family of Constantinople in the 5th century. St. Mary and St. Xenophon were married, and they were parents of St. John and St. Arcadius. And uh, St. Xenophon was of senatorial rank, so the family was well off and well to do in the uh, imperial court of Constantinople. Uh, their sons, uh, they, were, they were sending them off to uh, go to university at Beirut in Phoenicia. However, their ship was wrecked, and Mary and Xenophon just assumed uh, that John and Arcadius were lost at sea, and they were living their lives uh, as a result of that uh, very tragic news. But one day, uh, they made a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, and when they were there, they came across their two sons, St. John and St. Arcadius, who had 
survived the shipwreck and were living in a monastery in Jerusalem. And as a result to this reuniting of this holy family, they, Sinophon, uh, left his senatorial position back in Constantinople, and they remained there in Jerusalem, uh, living as a, a monk and an anchoress with their two sons, John and Arcadius, and they would be martyred as an entire family late in the 5th century. And that is the story that you probably have never heard of, the martyred family of Constantinople, St. Mary and St. Xenophon, St. John and St. Arcadius. Pray for us. The gospel comes to us today from Mark chapter 3, verses 31 through 35. The mother of Jesus and his brothers arrived at the house. Standing outside, they sent word to Jesus and called him. A crowd seated around him told him, Your mother and your brothers and your sisters are outside asking for you. But he said to them in reply, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking around at those seated in the circle, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. The word of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, in all things. Um, two points here. I, maybe there's more, but I don't know. There's two points here that I think are important. Number one, there's a lot of a uh, lot of weight put on this passage and other passages to suggest that Our Lady had other had other children, or possibly that Saint Joseph had other children from a different marriage. Is this the case? Well, no. The answer is no. Uh, this ver- this particular passage does not prove that Mary had other children or that Saint Joseph had other children. In fact, the Catechism of the Catholic Church would say that, uh, in fact. St. Matthew makes it clear that that even uh, James and John came from an un- another Mary, right? So paragraph 500 in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, I would include, uh, encourage you to read that. It says, the Church has always understood these passages as not referring to other children of the Virgin Mary. In fact, James and Joseph, rather, I said John earlier, I meant Joseph, James and Joseph, brothers of Jesus, are the sons of another Mary, a disciple of Christ, whom St. Matthew significantly calls the other Mary. They are close relations of Jesus, according to the Old Testament expression. But it's not just the Catechism of the Catholic Church. There are other sources you could go to. So the bottom line here is this. You can't hang your hat on this verse for that. Uh, in fact, there's a bigger and more important point. If you get lost in the weeds of, of trying to determine whether or not Mary had other children or Joseph had other children, I think you're going to miss the larger and more significant point. And that is, what is Jesus saying here? He is looking at this crowd and saying, Here are my mother and my brothers. And then this is the key, the clencher. This is where it all hangs in the balance. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. It is not enough that you believe. You must also believe and obey. We talked about that the other day. Uh, John chapter 14, Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. He says it here too. If you will be his mother or his brother or his sisters, then you will be uh, doing You will be about the business of God. That is such an important point. Uh, Yesterday we we read, you know, uh, those who believe and are baptized will be saved. It's not good enough to just believe. You must also be baptized. It's not good enough to just believe. You have to believe, but you also have to do something in that belief. And your works must match your faith. And uh, so it's a powerful realization that to be a mother, a brother, or a sister of God 
you must be about the business of doing the will of God. And what does that mean? How does that reflect on Our Lady, the Queen of Heaven and Earth? That no greater disciple has ever existed, no greater example of a Christian who was doing the will of God than Our Lady. Uh, Adrian, Emily? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, an important point here is because you made the main points. So I'm going to go in a different direction. And normally the, it would be commentary on the gospel. But instead, I want to point out a uh, tool of reading scripture. See, we don't read scripture the same way Protestants read scripture. The way Protestants read scripture is they open it up and they read it. And then scripture, according to them, interprets itself. The problem is that scripture doesn't actually interpret itself. You, that, you are making the interpretation. That's why we have to be, read with the mind of the church. We have to read with knowing what the church teaches and knowing that the church is true. Because when one reads uh, that who is my father, who is my mother, who are my brothers, uh, well, if you just read it on its own, it does sound like he's rebuking his mother. But we know for a fact that that cannot be true because our Lord loved his mother and his mother is the ever virgin. She is uh, without sin, whether original and otherwise. And so we know that that cannot be the proper interpretation of that passage. And that's how we get the church fathers, how they interpret it in a way that's contrary to the Protestant interpretation of that passage. Uh, Thomas Aquinas quotes Theophilacat, I don't know how to say that name. He says, he does not therefore say this as denying his mother, but as showing that he is worthy, that she is worthy of honor, not only because she bore Christ, but on account of possessing every other virtue. So he is just like all the people surrounding him. Those are not all his mothers. There are his brothers. There are his brothers and sisters. But he only has one mother. So he's saying, yeah, who is my mother and who are my brothers? The ones who does the will of the Father. Also, my mother is over there. So she is also here. And she does the will of our Father. Uh, to do the will of the Father. And she possesses every other virtue because that's who she is as the mother of Christ. So I think that's a very important point to note and to um, to focus on whenever we think about the passage and, and, and a way to interpret Scripture, to remember to interpret Scripture through the eyes of the church. Amen. Praise be to God. Emily, you have about a minute. Oh, yeah. I, so I actually just wrote a research paper on the theology of the Ecclesia Domestica, the domestic church. And so here we see that this, the family is not as important as the uh, the kingdom of God. And so the purpose of the family, God designed it to further the kingdom of God. All right. Praise be to God. That's going to do it for the Saint of the Day Gospel of the Day. Stick around right after this break. Catholic Drive Time will be back with the What's Concerning Us section. Uh, Amazon has got a new interesting policy about voting. We'll talk about that on the other side of this break. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time. Be right back. quasi-Christian sects like Jehovah's Witnesses and Star Wars have in common. They all talk about a force. For these sects, the impersonal force is the Holy Spirit. They believe this because in John 14, 26, the Greek word for spirit, pneuma, is neuter, as opposed to personal terms like father and son. So how do we respond? Well, first, if we hold to this line of reasoning, we're going to have to say God himself is an impersonal force because he's referred to as spirit in John 4, 24. But these sects wouldn't want to make that conclusion. Second, the verse that's used in the objection says of the Holy Spirit, he will teach you all things. Folks, impersonal forces don't teach. So the Holy Spirit is not some impersonal force. He's a person that we can have a relationship with. 
I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. It's so good to be on with you this morning. Don't forget, coming up here in 15 minutes or so, uh, we're going to be speaking with Thomas Spence from Regnery Publishing. He's publishing Senator Josh Hawley's book. It'll be coming out later this spring on the tyranny of big tech. We're going to have a conversation with uh, Mr. Spence about blacklisting, the new normal. The, the It's all the rage, the cancel culture. You know, if you make a mistake... Lord help you, because you can never recover from it, ever, ever, ever. You're never allowed to even have a job, let alone anything else, as far as a way of uh, an opinion in public's, in the public square. It's getting rather ridiculous. We're going to have that conversation with Thomas Spence later in the show, so look forward to that. But this is the What's Concerning Us section. And as usual, I usually have you know three or four stories uh, that I want to mention. There's one I'm going to mention. I'm not going to read the article because it's quite extensive, uh, and it comes to us from the Gatestone Institute GatestoneInstitute.org. And this is, uh, quote, this is a warning to all Christians in all parts of the world. That is a quote from uh, a man who uh, beheaded Christians over the course of the Christmas season. There apparently was a lot of persecution of Christians uh, throughout the Muslim world uh, in the Christmas season in particular. So I'm going to post a link to this article so that you can read it. Again, Gatestone Institute is the website I'm pulling this off of, and of course you can just search for it yourself if you'd like. But I'm going to post a link to it over at facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. I'll post links to all the stories I talk about there. Uh, we're also posting links over at facebook.com forward slash The Station of the Cross as well. We're very grateful that The Station of the Cross is part of the Catholic Drive Time team, as well as facebook.com forward slash GRN online. So please check them out there. So uh, again, this is a, a, an eye-opening article uh, it's quite extensive and detailed about various uh, Christian persecutions in Nigeria, Uganda, Egypt, uh, and many other places. Um, it should be a warning, an eye-opener, even in Western Europe as well, by the way. All of that there over the Christmas holidays, kind of a sad situation. Let us pray for those that are uh, facing true blood martyrdom in these days. And there are many, many Christians that are facing that. Let's check that out. Another lighter story before I move on here is uh, I saw out of uh, WND.com that uh, they found a, 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 like a tablet of sorts with an inscription on it. It says, Christ born of Mary. It says, it's the earliest evidence of Christianity in Israel's Jezreel Valley, apparently. I mean, I guess other than the gospel, I mean, kind of predates this, but whatever, whatever. Um, the full inscription reads, Christ, born of Mary, this work of the most God-fearing and pious bishop, Theodosius, and the miserable Thomas, was built from the foundation. Now, I, I would love to know the backstory well, on the miserable why Thomas. Why is he miserable? <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's that's all you get. And apparently the, this particular, uh, I, I don't know what they're calling this thing, 
what are they calling it? Is it a brick? Is it it's a tablet? It's a, it was like a piece of stone with an engraving on it or something. And apparently it was used in in the foundation of a building and it was turned with the inscription facing inward and not outward. So maybe they just had it and they were just using it. It was available. I don't know. But it's pretty fascinating. 1,500 years old, apparently. Christ born of Mary, this work of the most God-fearing and pious bishop, Theodosius, and the miserable Thomas, was built from the foundation. So there you go. I'll link to that as well. Um, Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, we spoke of her. Uh, Adrian uh, criticized me firmly uh, about uh, being a little too giddy about Tulsi, Tulsi Gabbard. <laughs> Last time. So I'll make sure I remain very calm, cool, and collected. She's this a breath time. of fresh air. On the Democrat side, for sure. Yeah. So Tulsi Gabbard, who is a Democrat from Hawaii, she tweeted in regards to the National Guard troops in our nation's capital, which remain, by the way, they're still there. What? There are still fences with Constantina wire in men walking uh, posts and sentries and whatnot. And, and so she tweeted to President Joe Biden, she said, President, Joe Biden, have you declared martial law? Because that's what it's starting to look and feel like. Let our troops get back home to their families. Uh, she posted that on Twitter. Now, uh, Tulsi Gabbard served our country. She served in the Army Military Police in Kuwait in, from 2008 to 2009. So she understands fully what it means to serve and sacrifice for our country. She certainly understands what military life is like. But, you know, she begs the question, why are our troops still there? What is the point? There are, what, what violence is still occurring there? I mean, we weren't this tuned up and we weren't this locked down when the massive and very disturbing riots happened earlier in 2020 uh, when they were burning sections of Washington, D.C. Uh, violent uh, riots were broken out. But now we see after weeks, they're still there. And of course, there was that story of our troops sleeping in a parking garage, which was very disturbing. She also tweeted at Joe Biden. This is Tulsi Gabbard. Your leadership is needed now to denounce those like John Brennan and Rep Schiff, who are advocating for targeting half the country as potential domestic terrorists. Truly unite the American people around our, our Constitution and the rights that are endowed to us by our creator. Tulsi Gabbard on Twitter. Um, at any rate, very, uh, very, I think, revealing tweets that are should be answered. I would hope that President Joe Biden would answer those. Um, another story here that I found kind of amusing, more than concerning, was that Amazon comes out against mail-in ballots for its own uniz unionization <laughs> votes. That's ironic. Very. That's quite ironic. So I, I know this has been reported on many uh, outlets. The one that I saw it was on LifeSite News. So they're uh, not going to be using Dominion? <laughs> I wonder. I mean, why not? It seems legitimate. Uh, Calvin Freiberger from LifeSite News wrote... Um, Alabama, January 22nd, uh, 2021, LifeSite News. In a striking reversal from big tech sense consensus, from big tech consensus about the 2020 election, retail giant Amazon is taking the position that voting by mail should not be allowed when it comes to its own employees' decisions whether to unionize. The Wall Street Journal reported uh, that, the, that Amazon is objecting to the National Labor Relations Board and their decision to permit mail-in ballots instead of making workers vote in person due to the COVID-19 pandemic, claiming 
that the NLRB had not adequately defined an outbreak, in quotes, necessitating mail ballots. Amazon insists it has established a safe, confidential, and convenient proposal for associates to vote on-site in the election, which concerns 6,000 workers at an Amazon warehouse in Alabama, and that its proposal is in the best interests of all parties. Associate convenience, vote fidelity, and timeless timelessness of vote count. So are they saying that it's it, to ensure a free and fair election, you should vote in person? I think, is that, is, does that seem like what they're saying? Yeah, it, do, it appears so. Yep. Wow. I mean, that's... Uh, Maybe we should adopt that for the bigger <laughs> elections, the national elections. I don't know. Well, if it works for Amazon. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, check that out. Uh, I feel I find that very fascinating. Maybe some good advice for the whole country. We should do it. We should look at that model for national elections. At any rate, I'm going to post links to that as well. Any what's on your radar there? I've Emily? got a headline. Uh, Wisconsin. At least almost a dozen healthcare workers have been fired for refusing to take the vaccine. And uh, a couple dozen other healthcare workers are writing letters explaining their objections to the vaccination mandate because there are nursing homes and uh, places like that in Wisconsin that are saying you must take the vaccine. This is an essential function of your job. Um, wow. Which is, I, I don't understand. Well, I understand. Okay, here. I understand that we want to protect the elderly, we want to protect the vulnerable, but. We've been in this pandemic for a year now. Why can't the healthcare workers keep doing what they've been doing for the past year if they have, you know, a reason, a personal reason why they don't want to take the vaccine? Why are they being fired now? It's insane. I mean, how many stories are we going to have to hear of people not reacting well to vaccines before we go, oh, maybe we need to do a little bit more research. Maybe we need to figure out who, in fact, is uh, not going to react well to these vaccines and 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 should therefore avoid avoid them. Right. I mean, this is why we rushed into these vaccines so fast, the whole warp speed thing. And there are countless reports of people having at least allergic reactions. We saw a video of people doing it live on television. And then, of course, there's been many more reports now of people actually dying. There's speculation Hank Aaron died as a result of receiving the second vaccine shot. Is that true? I don't know. Right, because uh, there's no cause for his death. And, and as, the tr as the typical case for a big, t big pharmaceutical, they don't like to really connect these types of dots. And anybody who speaks out against it is wearing a tinfoil hat. Uh, I've asked repeatedly for, for my producer to produce a tinfoil hat for me to wear during these segments, and I don't have one. We're working on it. We're working on it. But mm -hmm. at any rate, um, yeah, it's concerning. And I have a question. So if, say, a private retirement home or private uh, emergency center says we are going to fire our workers if they don't get the vaccine. Can they also say we're going to fire our workers if they uh, do get the vaccine? Like, I don't understand how this works. Can it can since it's a private owned company and they can can private owned companies mandate that people don't have to wear masks or don't have to get the vaccine as well as like, I don't see it going the other way. It's just one way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, yeah. Um, we but we talked about this, I think, before it all came down. There's a real risk here of leveraging uh, this supposed good uh, to do things that are going to uh, remove civil liberties, religious liberties even. I mean, 
we saw Canada, I think it was Ontario, they were passing the law, you had to have it or or else, and then a New York State was talking about it, you know, restricting people's access to things. Uh, there was this, you know, the stories out of the UK, they were looking at making, forcing people to carry barcodes as to whether or not you've had the vaccine. We've Now we see you, in order to have international flight, you have to have the vaccines. So we're seeing this more and more and more. It becomes an issue where um, so many people are going to be restricted on what they can and cannot do, not unlike what happens in China and has uh, been a a livable experience in China for a long time now. Um, Their their social credit score, which is very similar in nature to the effect of this, is uh, means that whether or not they get it on trains, whether or not they go into certain stores or, or certain public places, they're basically locked out of society like a leper if they don't go along to get along. Well, should everybody go along to get along with the vaccines? No, clearly there are a certain group of people on planet Earth who are not going to react well to this these shots. They're just not. Why? Because mRNA technology. I said that wrong, but we should get. Uh, we should get Stacey Trasankos back oh, on the she program. Was great. She, her, interview her interview with her interview on this was, was awesome. Yeah. Uh, we've we've also talked to other experts on the matter. This is new technology. They have no idea what's going to be the lasting effects of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are reports that some people do not do well. So be cautious. Um, you don't want to run headlong into the wind there and rush to be on the bleeding edge of this technology because it might not be good. We just don't know. Uh, have a conversation with your doctor, I guess, is the best uh, best advice to go. Also, I was impressed. Uh, sorry, another headline. I was very impressed that the West Coast Walk for Life chose to be in person. That was really good. Yeah, praise God mm-hmm. for that. All right. Uh, stick around. We're going to have a conversation with Thomas Spence from Regnery Publishing. They're picking up Josh Hawley's book from Missouri about uh, the big tech, the tyranny of big tech. We're going to talk about blacklisting and censorship, the new normal. It's all the rage. We'll have that conversation, as well as breaking news and stories on the other side of this break. Catholic Drive Time. We'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say that we should stop opposing things like abortion and homosexual unions because there's simply nothing we can do about it? You can't prevent that stuff. It's inevitable. So just accept it. Well... G.K. Chesterton says the other word for inevitability is impenitence. We have let ourselves be dominated by the notion that there's no turning back. This idea is rooted in materialism and the denial of free will. Now this modern refusal to undo what has been done is not only an intellectual fault, it is a moral fault also. It is not merely our mental inability to understand the mistake we have made. It's also our spiritual refusal to admit that we have made a mistake. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Hi, this is Dave Palmer inviting you to join me and Cecil Anderson each Friday at 4 p.m. Central, 5 o'clock Eastern Time for a new program here on the Guadalupe Radio Network called Back to the Father, which is based on the teachings of the angelic doctor St. Thomas Aquinas in his Summa Theologia. Each week we talk about how a life focused on our final end is a life that is more joyful and more hopeful as we journey back to the Father. Please join us this Friday at 4 p.m. Central here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. I'm Emily Alcaraz. Today is Tuesday, January 26th, and these are your morning headlines. 
A Wisconsin healthcare worker was fired for refusing the COVID-19 vaccination. Officials at Rockhaven Nursing Home issued a memo in December informing workers that reception of the vaccine was a requirement for all staff and those who did not comply would be laid off for failing to perform the essential functions of the job. After declining to show up for the injection, registered nurse Tara Anderson was let go from her job. A report from local Channel 3000 indicated that nearly a dozen employees had been forced out of their jobs because of that policy. And an anonymous employee told the Gazette that 27 other workers at the nursing home this month had set the, sent the county's health services committee letters explaining their objections to the vaccination mandate. The state of Massachusetts has rescinded a flu vaccine mandate. Facing lawsuits, the Massachusetts Department of Public Health withdrew the mandate that would have required all students under the age of 30 attending Massachusetts public schools to get a flu vaccine by February 28th. Parents spoke out against the mandate, saying that they deserve to have the final say about medical decisions for their children. The injunction was filed in conjunction with a lawsuit alleging the mandate was unlawful and therefore unenforceable. A new Virginia bill would remove conscience protections that allow child welfare agencies to refuse placement of children with homosexual couples. The state of Virginia has introduced a bill that would repeal the right of adoption and foster care agencies to deny child placements with homosexual couples on the basis of the agency's moral opposition to same-sex parenting. If passed, HB 1932 would undo protections that prevented adoption agencies from being sued or even denied their license for objecting to recommending, consenting to, or participating in child placements that violate their religious or moral convictions or policies. Virginia is currently one of 11 states that explicitly allow child welfare agencies to refuse to place children with same-sex couples because of religious beliefs, according to the pro-homosexual movement Advancement Project. In the Philippines, a diocese is mourning their murdered priest. Father Regalado was accused of rape in 2020 during his time as a parish priest in Lala, Lanao del Norte. The priest posted bail in December and Regalado returned to the monastery until his death on Sunday. The police had also pointed to the priest's activism against illegal logging operations and advocacy for farmers' rights. Father Regalado endorsed organic farming initiatives and other agricultural causes through blogs. A Malaybalay diocese official spokesperson said that the priest had been receiving death threats since December. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Tuesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Emily, for reading the headline news, keeping us up to date. Uh, real quick, before we jump into our conversation, I want to mention a great place to go. If you're looking for the audio podcast version of our show or you want to find links to all of the locations where we're posting our content and video and all of that, uh, you can do so on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. And I want to remind you, uh, we're, we're asking you to go to our Rumble location. Go to rumble.com, look for Catholic Drive Time, and make sure you subscribe and rumble there just because it's a great place for a backup in, in light of the censorship, which is about the conversation we're going to jump into uh, with uh, the president and publisher of Regnery Publishing, uh, Thomas Spence, is with us to talk about blacklisting. It's all the rage. It's the new normal, and he's going to have this conversation with us this morning. Good morning to you, Mr. Spence. Good morning. Uh, it's uh, Thanks for being on with us this morning. We're very grateful to you. Uh, My pleasure. 
for the sake of our audience, uh, just to remind them, so January 6th, Capitol, uh, the, the riots on, on Capitol Hill that took place, uh, Senator Josh Hawley from Missouri was... Uh, uh, he was attacked for that. And in fact, uh, his publisher, Simon & Schuster, dropped him in his uh, forthcoming book, The Tyranny of Big Tech. And it looks like uh, Regnery picked him up. Maybe you can start there, Mr. Spence. How did that come about and why did you feel like this was a, a, a good thing to do? So Senator Hawley uh, was objected to the certification of the electoral vote on January the 6th and which is a perfectly legal and constitutional thing for a senator to do. Uh, a lot of people on both sides of the aisle disagreed with that, but uh, as far as, uh, you know, it was, it was not a particularly exceptional, exceptional legislative act. And uh, he, I think, did not foresee uh, the, the attack on the Capitol that, that was coming. I mean, people got very excited. So, uh, and in fact, immediately after the, the events at the Capitol, Senator Hawley forcefully condemned what, it, what had happened. The next day, Simon & Schuster, one of the, the so-called Big Five publishing houses in New York, announced that they were canceling the publication of a book that Senator Hawley had written called The Tyranny of Big Tech, um, which is on a topic that is explained by the title. <laughs> And uh, they, they issued a statement saying that, uh, well, it was a very vague statement and suggested that Senator Hawley was responsible in some way for the attack on, on the Capitol. Uh, I think that is uh, not reasonable. Mm. So Senator Hawley was left without a publisher for this book. And uh, he, Regnery, which is a... Uh, an independent uh, conservative publisher. We do mostly nonfiction political books. We got in touch with the senator, and uh, by the end of the weekend, we we had a deal. So uh, we we picked up the book. I think. I mean, I will be the first to acknowledge that we think we will sell a lot of this book. <laughs> uh, Simon and Schuster has given it a publicity campaign that we could not have paid for. So, uh, so we think it was, you know, a, a good business decision, but also it was an opportunity for us to to step in and uh, take a stand against what I think can only be called blacklisting, mm. which is um, Senator Hawley is the the most prominent victim of that. But uh, there's a move uh, there, there by sort of so-called publishing professionals, 500, more than 500 of them, signed a letter, an open letter to the uh, publishing industry, demanding that no one who was connected to the Trump administration, who participated in the Trump administration, uh, should be given a book contract for anything, for any reason. And that is good old fashioned blacklisting, right? It's, it's one thing to cancel somebody's book or not publish his book because of some you know, seriously objectionable thing he's done. But it's another to say, you know, we, we in, in advance, we don't care what you have to say. We don't like your affiliations. We don't like your philosophy, whatever. So uh, you need not apply. We're talking with Thomas Spence. He is the publisher of Regnery Publishing. He's picking up uh, Senator Josh Hawley's book, uh, The Tyranny of Big Tech. Um, and you bring out an excellent point, uh, 
Thomas Spence. The, the blacklisting is really getting crazy. The the censorship, the cancel culture. It's uh, it's. I'm not a, assuming guilt on any part of them when I make these comments. I just want to make them generally. If you make a mistake, you're never allowed to recover from it. That seems to be the sentiment of our modern culture. You're never allowed to. I mean, th- we see uh, examples. Uh, there was a there was a story the other day of a of a person who had video of a young student and held on to that video for years until she applied for college and then sent it to the college to get her scholarships revoked. I mean, it seems rather insane to me in a culture where uh, we want to totally decimate anybody who has an opposing opinion to us. Um, how do you see that? Where are we at now in the publishing business now? And where are we going? Do, is, is, is this going to get worse? Do you see this getting worse in your world? It's very big in the publishing business right now. And uh, I, I think there are two things going on. There's, there's a situation that you described, sort of a, a refusal to forgive somebody. I mean, I suppose uh, there are crimes that, that a person could commit that ought never to be forgiven, uh, at least by his publisher, right? <laughs> that, that, are so, that are so bad and uh, that, you know, if there's no sign of repentance, we, we don't want to have anything to do with that book. And there are people that Regnery would simply not publish, you know, on principle. That's fine. We're a private company. That's our right. Simon & Schuster is a private company. That's their right. Uh, there is this sense, though, that that you know you can never recover from from a misstep, particularly if it's a certain kind of misstep, right? <laughs> if, it, if it is a politically incorrect misstep, and m- at my publishing house, we would take that on a case by case basis. Um, I I hope that uh, you know a lot of people have forgiven me a lot of things in life, <laughs> and and. Uh, I think that's that's a better way to operate. Then there's what I call blacklisting. And that is not uh, sort of punishing somebody for something he's actually done. That is blacklisting, saying silencing him in advance because of his philosophy. And again, I, there are there are people out there with ideas that are so toxic and nasty that I suppose, you know, at Regnery, we would not publish that, right? Mm. Um, Hold that so, thought. So that, I'm sorry, Mr. Uh, Spence. We're talking with Thomas Spence, uh, publisher at Regnery. We're going to have this conversation on the other side of this break. We have to go to a short break. We'll be right back. But we're talking about blacklisting. It's all the rage, the cancel culture, how this affects uh, the publishing world, but how it affects you and me and what we ought to be doing about that. All that coming up after this break. Be right back. Captain Drive Time is coming your way. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. Very often, parents contact us for advice on disciplining their kids. Children are raw personality when they're born, and it's the job of parents to shape them into civilized human beings. Moms and dads need to create expectations, structure, and rules to teach kids how to respect other people. But those rules need to be enforced within a relationship. A good maxim for parents to remember is, rules without relationship breeds rebellion. 
The first step in disciplining our children is to invest in our relationship with them. This is true if your child is four or if they're 14. Fill up their love tank, learn how they tick, recognize their amazing uniqueness. This will open their hearts to the guidance that only you can give as a parent. Visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org to access our discipline guide and other resources designed to encourage and inspire Catholic parents like you. The universe is filled with order from top to bottom. It's a beautiful order, and not only is it beautiful, it's order that we can actually comprehend. And it's almost as if we have been made to be able to comprehend that order in the universe, to be able to contemplate it so that we can see maybe that purpose behind it. Please visit Father Spitzer's website, magiscenter.com, to watch this beautiful and important video about purpose and God's creation. That's magiscenter.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. We're having a conversation with Thomas Spence. He's the publisher of Regnery, picking up uh, Senator Josh Hawley's book, The Tyranny of Big Tech. We're having a conversation about blacklisting and censorship. Uh, before we went to break, you, you, were, you, were, you were launching into a point there, Mr. Spence, and then I had to cut you off. That's my job, by the way, uh, you know, to cut, cut <laughs> off the most important <laughs> people on planet Earth. Uh, that's what I do for a living. So uh, you should feel very honored that you're in a you're in a distinguished list of incredible people. Uh, I know Emily. I know Emily had a great question. So Emily, if you want to launch, you can go right ahead. Right. Hi, Mr. Spence. Emily here. Um, so right. I believe there is a valid premise to a certain extent for censoring. You know, r- explicit material, violence, that sort of thing. But it seems now we've shifted to this point where ideas and opinions have become violence, or people are considering thoughts and opinions to be violence. So in the publishing world, when did you see this shift begin to take place? And have you seen an increase of interest in independent publishers? Uh, that's, a, that's a good question. I'm not entirely sure when I first noticed this happening a lot in the publishing world. It is uh, something different is going on now, though. I, I would say that it had, at least as I perceive things, things have really ramped up. Uh, the blacklisting. Just to give you an example, uh, after Senator Hawley's book was was canceled, I started getting inquiries from the press and from others about asking whom would we not publish, right? And that's that's the big question, not just to directed to Regnery, but but all over the place. If you follow the kind of the you know the publishing insider uh, gossip or press, they're all talking about whom would you not publish? Well, that is a that's an odd question for, for publishers to be focused on, right? <laughs> and uh, but that's that's where we are. It's more important whom you will exclude, whom you would not even consider than than whom you would publish and i think that's new the publishing industry in in this country has tilted strongly leftward for a long time that's why regnery exists <laughs> we were we were started 75 years ago by henry regnery who called himself a dissident publisher <laughs> because there were there were views that he thought were not being expressed but um, that's fine, but it has, I think, intensified uh, in 
just even the last several weeks. Uh, Senator Hawley put it quite well, I thought, in his statement after, after his book was canceled. He said, uh, I was uh, representing my constituents in challenging the electoral vote, and this is now equated with sedition. It's, it's, it's what you said, Emily. They are taking ideas that they don't like, they disagree with, and equating them with violence. We've seen that for a while. That's, that's part of the, I would say, the homosexual agenda. Is, and they've been very successful at that, as treating uh, opposition, you know, sort of moral censure of, of certain kind of behavior as, as hate, right? Which is ridiculous. But... Boy, does that work? Yes. I even I was just thinking as you were saying, the the banks that are coming out day after day to say they won't bank with Donald Trump anymore. Uh, you know, it just it's like it's it's rather ludicrous. I mean, some of these banks helped the Nazi Party during World War II, and uh, and they're and they're going to get all righteous on us now. It's it's it seems rather they're atoning. Uh, <laughs> right. It's, it seems rather strange to me in these days. Um, one of the questions that I have is how do you perceive like with uh, I know I've watched a couple of interviews with you and other outlets, and I think you've addressed this question, but I want to ask it here. So you're going to publish this book with Senator Hawley. And of course, the cancel culture doesn't want him to have a voice in the public sphere. Uh, do you, how do you see your relationships with uh, some of your partners in the industry, Simon & Schuster being one of them? How about Amazon, uh, one of the largest outlets for book, book distributions on our planet today? I mean, many authors have had to go to self-publishing uh, and self-distribution because of the difficulties in the publishing world. How do you perceive the days ahead in, in this regard? Yeah, we're watching it closely. <laughs> I, I would... Uh, emphasize that no one has threatened us, you know, no, no, none of our business partners, people, other companies we do business with has come to us and said, you might want to think twice about taking that Holly book. Mm. Um, but we read the newspapers and this, you know, we saw what happened to Senator Hawley and then the same, basically the same weekend, uh, Parler, President Trump, all kinds of other uh, persons or organizations were not only censored, but completely shut down. And I have had discussions with uh, nervous counterparts at other publishing houses who have noticed, as I have, that, gosh, if Amazon can withdraw overnight its web hosting services to parlor now that's that's a different business right that's their web hosting that's not their book selling business but if they can do that you don't have to have a very vivid imagination to to just imagine they're canceling to saying we're not going to take certain books or any of your books amazon has not done that and i i will give amazon a lot of credit in that they have been generally very good for independent publishers. Amazon will carry anything. And while I would say that 90%, 95% of the books published in this country, probably we'd be better off if they weren't published. <laughs> <laughs> not, not worth much. <laughs> Nevertheless, uh, I am very grateful that, that we have had that platform 
from Amazon uh, because a lot of bookstores are not terribly welcome, to, welcoming to uh, the kind of books that regularly publishes. Mm-hmm. We saw recently uh, in the Catholic sphere the uh, book right. by Carrie Gress, the Anti Mary Exposed. It's a book on toxic femininity um, yeah. and the, against the feminism movement. And uh, it was like blacklisted on Facebook and, and on Instagram, Instagram mm-hmm. so you cannot purchase it on Facebook or Instagram. Um, but we saw, just like what you were saying about publicity, because of that action, it actually skyrocketed on Amazon to the number two right. book in feminism. Uh, so it was. Uh, we see that happening across the board, and it seems like it's starting um, with smaller people trying to censor this that, and the other. And but it seems like it's going to start growing. Um, and what does this mean for publishers? Because I was thinking about this. I mean, uh, people can always go to a different publisher, but is that um, a problem with exposure? Is it a problem with profits, or is it a problem with like what? What's the problem distribution. with ha- getting distribution. right distribu- distribution? Um, or do people not take certain publishers more or less seriously? Like, so, what's the? Uh, how does that work in the publishing world in regards to be- moving publisher to publisher? Yeah. Well. Traditionally, there are the, there are the big five publishers, right? Uh, con- five conglomerates that that have grown and grown and grown over the years as one publisher acquires another. Uh, they're about to become the big four because uh, Penguin Random House, which itself is a mix of Penguin and Random House, uh, is about to acquire Simon and Schuster. So soon it will soon it will be the big four, but. Uh, they have got the prestige, right? They're, they're to book publishing what Harvard, Yale, and Princeton are to, to universities. And so uh, they not only have prestige, but they have, uh, you know, they get their books everywhere. So, so they have a lot of marketing power. Mm-hmm. So people like Senator Hawley, <laughs> you know, will, will, that's where they want to be. Uh, he signed up with Simon & Schuster. Uh, I think that may start to change a little bit now, now that they've seen what happened to Senator Hawley. Um, I have had, you know, Regnery does just fine. We acquire lots of wonderful authors, but I do run into this occasionally where uh, an, an author of a book that would be a great fit for us that we would pour our heart and soul <laughs> into selling you know, wants to be at Random House because, well, you know, yeah, we like you guys, but, you know, we want a mainstream publisher. Mm. This. And uh, fine, but I think the mainstream publishers are going to be, that, that mainstream is getting a little bit narrower. Um, we'll, we'll see. Uh, these, these may be, we, we have this sort of sardonic joke in our office that what's bad for America is good for Regnery. <laughs> that's sad and, you know we may benefit from, from, from some of this but but I, I'd rather not have that situation I'd rather be out there competing with with everybody else because uh, yeah I don't know we'll see this may be sort of a spasm at, uh, you know in reaction to Trump or whatever mm-hmm. uh, I think it's probably a longer term problem
We have just about a minute left with our conversation with Thomas Spence from Regnery Publishing. We're talking about uh, Senator Hawley's book as well. It's just blacklisting and censorship in general. Uh, but last question really quickly here, Mr. Spence. Uh, when can we expect uh, Senator Josh Hawley's book to be hitting the shelves? I can answer that very briefly. May the 4th. May the, May the 4th, 4th is, our new, is our publication date. Yeah, yeah. So you can order it uh, early in advance on dare I say it, Amazon, and, <laughs> <laughs> or at regnery.com. We also, if, if if worse comes to worse and we got shut down, there's always regnery.com. We, we sell, sell our own books there. But yeah, May 4th, and you can order it right. in advance. All right, praise be Great. to God. We'll uh, post a link to regnery.com on our live video feed over at facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. But Mr. Spence, Thomas Spence, publisher at Regnery, thank you for being on with us and uh, having this conversation. We're very grateful to you. All right. Thank you so much. God love you, and uh, have a great day. That's going to do it for the first hour of Catholic Drive Time. We're very grateful you're on the program today. We'll post the conversation all by itself over on rumble.com. Just look for Catholic Drive Time. You'll find it there. Make sure you like and subscribe or whatever they call it over there. It's, it gets confusing on these other platforms. But if you're able to join us in the next hour, we surely would love to have you. We'll have more breaking news and stories. We'll have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, plus our Catholic Trivia Game Show with new prizes. Great prizes prizes on the hook this week. You could win that. Just join us on one of our live video streams, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. Catholic Drive Time. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Many Protestants believe we are saved by faith alone, and they say Catholics believe they can work their way into heaven. How do you answer that? First, I ask them to show me where in the Catechism, the official teaching of the Catholic Church, does it teach that we can work our way into heaven. They can't because it doesn't. The Catholic Church has never taught a doctrine of salvation by works, that we can work our way into heaven. Second, I ask them to show me where in the Bible does it teach that we are saved by faith alone. They can't because it doesn't. The only place in all of Scripture where the phrase faith alone appears is in James 2.24 where it says that we are not, not justified or saved by faith alone. So one of the main pillars of Protestantism, the doctrine of salvation by faith alone, not only doesn't appear in the Bible, but the Bible actually says the exact opposite, that we are not saved by faith alone. Third, I ask them that if works have nothing to do with our salvation, then how come every passage in the New Testament that talks about judgment says we will be judged by our works, not by faith alone? We see this in Romans 2, Matthew 15, 1 Peter 1, and many other verses. Fourth, I ask them if we are saved by faith alone, why does 1 Corinthians 13, 13 say that love is greater than faith? Shouldn't it be the other way around? Catholics believe that we are saved by God's grace alone. We can do nothing apart from God's grace to receive the free gift of salvation. However, we have to respond to His grace. Protestants believe that too. However, many Protestants believe that the only response necessary is an act of faith, whereas Catholics believe a response of faith and works is necessary, whereas the Bible puts it in Galatians 5, 6, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is of any avail, but faith working through love. Faith working through love, just as the church teaches. 
A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Anne is a real GRN listener, so to help tell her story, we hired Open Line Monday host, John Martinoni. I love listening to Catholic Radio on the GRN. Anne is a smart girl. And when I found out the GRN was raffling off a 2021 Mercedes-Benz GLA 250, I was like, where do I sign up? Getting even smarter. So, I went to GRNonline.com and bought five tickets for $100. That's a stale. Celebrity voice impersonated. Drawing ends March 1st. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you this morning. Good morning to you. Praise be to God. Do you have your coffee already? You drink it? I, 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 I become my father. I drink black coffee now. I wear black socks with shorts and glasses. I mean, uh, I don't know how I feel about that. It's kind of weird. Anyway, uh, that happened live on radio just now. But uh, praise be to God. We have a great hour uh, for you this hour. We just finished a great conversation with Thomas Spence, the publisher at Regnery, who's picking up Senator Josh Hawley's book, we will be pub- publishing that interview just by itself later today on our various sites and platforms. A great place. If you want to know where we publish all of our stuff, you want direct links, here's a great way to do it. Just go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT for Catholic Drive Time. You'll find us over there. The podcasts are there for the audio side, so you can find that. Plus, uh, we have uh, our video playlists are there. Plus, all the links to all the social platforms where we're posting stuff and to include Rumble. Go to Rumble and uh, make sure you find Catholic Drive Time. Subscribe and Rumble us over there. It's a great way to overcome the censorship that is uh, become the new normal there. But in this hour, we're going to have breaking news and stories with Emily Alcrest. Good morning to you, Emily. Good morning, Joe. Lori on Facebook says she hasn't had her coffee yet. No? <laughs> no coffee? Wow. Uh, you're a very brave soul there, Lori. Thank you for being a part of our program, by the way. Um... Uh, I usually have to, now I have to wait till I get to the office to have coffee. So <gasps> why is that? It takes too long to make it, and uh, 3 a.m. is early enough. I don't want to wake up at 2:45. Uh, yeah, I'm too lazy that way. Yeah. Uh, okay. Also, Adrian Fonseca is on the ones and twos this morning. Good morning to you. Howdy, howdy. Good morning. Uh, we're gonna have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, plus our Catholic trivia game show today. Now, the last couple of times, Adrian was picking the questions. And he picked all the easy ones, so I thought I would balance the load today. And I have some not terribly hard, but but I think fair questions in the game show. But so these are going to be the hardest questions we've ever had on the show. No matter what, the caller never has to even know the answers to them, right? 50-50 <laughs> shot. Yesterday's contestant uh, took a gamble and won, so praise God. So that's coming up here in just a couple of minutes. You can be a, our contestant. Uh, stand by for the phone number. It'll be headed your way. And when you, you First caller gets to be on the show. So all of that, plus the Holy Mass broadcast at 7.30, so look forward to that. But the Catholic Drive Time team will stay on social media, our live video streams on Facebook, on YouTube, and on Twitter, and conversating about the show today, taking your comments or your questions. You can certainly post those 
anywhere on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter uh, on the Catholic Drive Time side, and we will be happy to read those and conversate with you in on the social stream, what we're calling the after show uh, at that point. So that's the game. That's the plan. That's what we're doing today. We hope you'll be a part of it. Let's begin with prayer. Whatever your intentions are, I'm going to include those in, in my with my intentions in our prayer today. I am, of course, praying for our nation, for peace in our country, in our homes, in our communities, praying for our president, for his, uh, his well-being. Of course, I'm praying for the reversion of his heart, mind, body, and soul on the non-negotiable issues as Catholics that we believe in and uh, praying for a total reversal of his policies as that, re- as that goes. Uh, and, uh, and, of course, my family and our, our intentions here at the Guadalupe Radio Network as a media apostolate and your intentions. And let's ask Our Lady to whisper these into the ear of her Son, that he may draw us ever so more closely into his most sacred heart. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy. Hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz. The Supreme Court has ruled in favor of an inmate requesting a priest at his execution. In a set of orders released on Monday morning, the court vacated a ruling of the Fifth U.S. Circuit Court against Ruben Gutierrez, a Catholic death row inmate in Texas, challenging the state's prohibition of chaplains at executions. One attorney at the Religious Freedom Legal Group, Beckett, said the decision was a win for religious freedom and called on the state of Texas to stop fighting Gutierrez's case in court and provide him with a priest at his execution. The Texas Catholic Conference of Bishops had called the state's denial of a chaplain for Gutierrez an egregious rejection of the possibility of forgiveness and redemption while the state commits the violence of an execution. The state of Massachusetts has rescinded a flu vaccine mandate. Facing lawsuits, the Massachusetts Department of Public Health withdrew the mandate that would have required all students under the age of 30 attending Massachusetts schools to get a flu vaccine by February 28th. Parents spoke out against the mandate, saying that they deserve to have the final say about medical decisions for their children. The injunction was filed in conjunction with a lawsuit alleging the mandate was unlawful and therefore unenforceable. And among COVID fears and political unrest, organizers expected only hundreds of people at the West Coast Walk for Life. Almost 2,000 people showed up. In the wake of the Washington, D.C. March for Life being canceled this year and in light of the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol, the organizers of the West Coast Walk said that they had wrestled with the decision of whether or not to hold the walk or create a virtual event. The organizers stated, Finally, we concluded that a public witness to the 63 million lives lost through abortion more than justified the risk. It made it our duty. The walk was dedicated to Joe Schiedler, the grandfather of the pro-life movement, who passed away last week. Chinese propaganda is scapegoating Catholics after a rise in COVID cases. Fueled by social media posts from Chinese officials, Chinese Catholics have been blamed for a recent apparent resurgence of COVID-19 cases near Beijing. The rumors also claimed that a number of European and American priests came to participate in the religious ceremonies without taking any preventative measures, bringing the virus with them. Despite admitting that the source of the recent outbreak had not been identified, 
China's second vice premier, Sun Chunlan, stated, It is necessary to learn lessons from the spread of the epidemic caused by religious activities and suspend group activities in religious places of worship and other gathering places. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Tuesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Uh, St. Mary and St. Xenophon pray for us. We're talking the 5th century here in Constantinople. They were the proud parents of John and Arcadius. Now, St. Xenophon was of the senatorial rank, so they... They, they live pretty well off in these days, uh, but they were still Christians, and they were considered uh, very pious, and they, they kept to themselves. They lived very simple lives, no matter their, their status and uh, situation. Kind of reminds me of uh, St. Therese of Lisieux's parents, by the way. Same, similar thing here. They lived beneath their capabilities. But to give their sons a good education, Xenophon and Mary sent them to the university in Beirut in Phoenicia. However, their ship was wrecked, and there was no word of them. So St. Mary and Xenophon thought and assumed the worst. They thought their sons, John and Arcadius, were lost at sea. In fact, they were not. They did survive the wreck, but they ended up in Jerusalem, and they joined a monastery and became monks there. I'm not quite sure why they didn't write home to let their parents know, but at any rate, they did not. And St. Mary and Xenophon had to move on with their lives, even under the circumstances of this tragic situation. But they did make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, St. Mary and Xenophon. And while there, they encountered their sons, St. John and St. Arcadius. They were so uh, joyful in their reuniting with their sons and grateful to God that St. Xenophon left his position in the royal and imper- uh, court, the imperial court in Constantinople, and Mary became an anchoress, and uh, Xenophon became a monk, and the family uh, lived there in Jerusalem at this monastery, and they would be martyred as an entire family late in the 5th century. And that is the story of the martyred family of Constantinople. I'm sure you've never heard of it, and praise be to God to share it with you today. St. Mary and Xenophon, pray for us. The Gospel today comes from Mark chapter 3, verses 31 through 35. The mother of Jesus and his brothers arrived at the house. Standing outside, they sent word to Jesus and called him. A crowd seated around him told him, Your mother and your brothers and your sisters are outside asking for you. But he said to them in reply, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking around at those seated in the circle, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Uh, Two points here on this very short but powerful passage. I think a lot of people get focused when they read this. I know a lot of non-Catholics especially will reference this passage to say, See, Mary is not perpetually virgin. She had other children. Or sometimes they'll say, See, St. Joseph had other children from another marriage. Is that the case? Uh, No. The the bottom line is no. This is not a proof of biological siblings for Jesus here. I mean, in fact, uh, in the original uh, Greek there, there's really no distinction between cousin and brother and sisters. It's just Ken's person, you know, Ken'smen is the best you can offer there. But we see in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, for instance, paragraph 500, the Church teaches, uh, in fact, that this is not a proof of the biological connection to Jesus. But I think 
in the, having that conversation and getting caught up in the brothers and sisters of Jesus can be a distraction in, in some way because you're missing the greater and more important point. One of the reasons why we give Mary uh, such reverence, right? So we, 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 we give her such honor is not just because of her biological connection to Jesus. She wasn't just some girl who happened to be the mother of the Messiah, as though there was a list of young girls that the Lord could choose from, and okay, this one said no, so I'll go down the road and choose this one. No, no, there, he only chose one. And she had free will to choose to say no to God, but she didn't. And uh, so she chose to say yes, her fiat, let it be done unto me according to God's word. So it's not the biological connection to Jesus that's so important. It's her fiat. It's her yes to do the will of God no matter what. Let it be done unto me according to God's word. That is emphasized in this passage in Mark 3. Jesus makes it clear that to be a mother, a brother or a sister of, of the Lord is to do the will of God. Mary is highly exalted, not just because uh, of her biology, but because of her yes, her perfect fiat to God, to live her life perfectly for him, to do his will above all things, even to stand at the foot of the cross and to see Jesus Christ suffer and die for you and for me. It is powerful reality that if you wish to be a disciple of Christ, you must obey him. It's not a good enough to just believe. You must obey and do the will of God as well. Adrian, Emily? Yeah, so I think the other the important thing to realize after reading this passage is how we should interpret Scripture. Uh, the, the way we always talk about interpreting Scripture, what we are getting from it and talking about it that way, but how do you actually approach Scripture in order to draw out the proper discernment, the proper meaning of the text? So you can't just have Scripture interpret itself. We interpret Scripture through the eyes of the Church, because the Church is the infallible rule of faith uh, that tells us how to interpret it. Because we know for a fact, we know for a fact that Our Lady was immaculate. We know she was ever virgin. We know these things uh, uh, from the dogmas of the church, that these things are true. And therefore, if we are reading this passage, we know that it cannot mean that Our Lady was sinful or that Our Lord was rebuking his mother. We know that it must not be the proper interpretation because the church has already defined what, uh, what Our Lady is, who she is. Uh, and so that means we have to approach other interpretations, just like the church fathers did, like Venerable Bede saying that uh, St. Joseph was, an, it was not the children of St. Joseph. Instead, it was a distant relative, a further relative, a cousin maybe. And uh, Theophilusat said that this is obviously not denying his mother. Jesus is obviously not denying his mother. Instead, he's actually showing that she is worthy of honor, not only because she bore Jesus, but because she possessed every other virtue. So the fathers of the church saw these things, and they did not read into it um, what the Protestants do. Right, and for me, I just wanted to add that the God designed the family at the way that it is with a mother, a father, and children for the purpose of our salvation. So in this passage, Christ is pointing out that the family exists for the sake of the kingdom of God, and it's not necessarily an end in itself. And so um, the, the, we call the family the domestic church, the little church, in that it serves the church, but it's also a, a smaller version of the greater church in its education in prayer and in introducing Christians into the greater uh, body of Christ. So that's what Jesus is saying. 
All right, praise, praise be to God. We're going to go to break. We're going to come back with our fear and trivia game show. Your opportunity to win some very cool prizes is right now, actually. So if you would like to be the contestant today and get your three chances into the coffee cup of divine providence, you don't even need to know the answers to the questions. It's that simple. All you have to do is call 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. First caller right now gets it. 877-757-9424. Be right back. Blessed John Paul II once said, As the family goes, so goes the nation, and so goes the whole world in which we live. How easy it is to point fingers and place blame for the mess in which our society has found itself. But stop just for a minute and ask, What have I done to make it better? Is my family doing anything to improve the world? Possibly the most effective thing a family can do for society is pray together regularly. Pray for our president every single day. Pray for all our government leaders, our bishops and priests, our teachers, our military, our business owners. Create a list of family petitions. If the teenager puts an anonymous prayer request on the list, let it be anonymous. Prayer is our greatest weapon to change the nation and the world. Remember what Father Patrick Payton said. The family that prays together stays together. This has been a minute for your marriage and family with Balanced Families Ministries. So many of us carry such heavy burdens. She's having a relationship with George. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Deep within, we struggle because sin separates us from God. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit catholicscomehome.org. Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the App Store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, uh, where we have a good time in the process of uh, just very uh, sneakily. Is that a word, sneakily? Trying to teach a little bit about the faith so you learn something new that you probably didn't know before, and you might win some prizes in the process. So that's the game show, and we're having a, an opportunity right now to get three chances into the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence and we have a very cool prize pack this Tell week. them what they could win, Emily. This week's sponsor is AromaRosary.com. So they make really beautiful jewelry and rosaries, and they're giving away the Guadalupe Bracelet Aroma Rosary, and it's going to come with 
four sample oils. It's really beautiful, made out of blue jasper and lava rock. $70 lava val- rock. Yeah, $70 well, okay. value. $70 value. Wow. We will draw out the winner on Friday. So uh, to get your chances, you got to be a contestant. And here's how the game is played. If you're new here and you're like, what is going on? What is all, the, all of this? Well, I have three questions, all Catholic trivia questions, but I don't ask the caller any of these questions. Instead, I ask Emily, I ask Adrian, and they have conspired together so that one has a right answer and the other has a wrong answer. The caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to decide who do they want to choose. Do they want to go with Emily or do they want to go with Adrian? And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence. Uh, for the prize that we, again, we will draw a winner out on Friday. So that is how the game is played. That is how this all works. Let's go to the phones. Chris, good morning to you. Thanks for being a part of our program. Hey, good morning, Joe. Where are you from, Chris? Uh, Rosenberg, Texas. Rosenberg, Texas. Wow, praise God. That's awesome. Uh, Where do you go to church, Chris? Uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe. Ah, Our Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us. Uh, We have a... A particular yep. devotion to her here, for sure, at the Guadalupe Radio Network. Well, Amen. we're grateful you're on the program, Chris. Do you understand how the game is played? Yes, sir. Are you ready? I am. Okay. Now, just just fair warning, you, you, Emily and Adrian are pretty tricky. you got to keep a, a sharp ear out because they will, in fact, try to fool you. All right? So uh, here we go. Uh, here we go. We'll start with Emily first. Emily... This could be the toughest question of all three right here. Are you ready? Yes. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Are you sure? Yes. Okay, here we go. Emily, what is the term for the quality of the soul whereby the soul is not subject to dissolution after death? Very tricky question. I'll, I'll ask it one more time. What is the term for the quality of the soul whereby the soul is not subject to dissolution after death? The soul? The soul. The term for the quality of the soul that is not subject to dissolution after death. Um, I believe this is, it sounds like incorruptibility. Oh, very fancy. Very. It's like a $10 word. Are well, you sure? $11 word. Okay, so incorruptibility is your answer. Let's see uh, what double major Adrian Fonseca has to say <laughs> about this. Adrian uh, what is the term for the quality of the soul whereby the soul is not subject to dissolution after death? Okay. Um, the answer to the question might be, uh, let me think. In, uh, this is a hard one. <laughs> this is hard. This is really tough. We need an answer. We're running out of time. Indefectibility. Wow. Okay, so Adrian's on the hook for indefectibility. Hmm. Uh, Emily is on the hook for indissolubility. No, I said incorruptibility. Oh, okay. So you said incorruptibility. See, now we're getting into the confusion stage here. Incorruptibility for Emily, indefectibility for Adrian. Woof, this is a hard one. Chris, I don't envy you at all. 15 seconds on the clock. <laughs> who's right? Who's wrong? Who's confused? Chris, what say you? And I'm gonna have to go with um, I'm gonna have to go with Adrian. Oh, uh, <laughs> that was a total that was a setup, really Chris. hard one. <laughs> I am so I, I almost want to. I feel bad. I feel like I should put your name in there anyway, because uh, that was in <laughs> fact a very hard one. In fact, the, the answer is incorruptibility. Yeah, indefectibility okay. is the uh, attribute of 
the church is not able to defect. Uh. Yeah. See, Adrian normally gives like really obviously wrong question answers to the question, <laughs> but today he really went hardcore. <laughs> so, uh, so incorruptibility. So, uh, since something we all learned today, the soul has an incorruptibility uh, nature to it. So, praise God for that. All right, second question. These are, they're going to get easier from here, Chris. I promise. Uh, Adrian, we'll start with you. <laughs> Adrian, what is the opposite virtue of the capital sin of pride? What is the opposite virtue of the capital sin of pride? Opposite of pride is? Opposite of pride is um, diligence. Diligence. Yes. Could be. Could be. Let's see what Emily says. Emily, what is the opposite virtue of the capital sin of pride? Opposite of pride is? Oh, let's turn the oh, mic on. There's my mic. Humility. <laughs> humility. Oh, so pr- opposite of pride is humility for a- for Emily, and opposite of pride for Adrian was what again? Um, diligence. 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 So diligence for Adrian, humility for Emily. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Chris, what say you? <clears throat> I'm gonna go with Emily. Survey says. Congratulations. Yes. Here we go. Uh, we're in the uh, coffee cup of divine providence there, Chris. I'm glad we got that uh, in there and done. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah, diligence is the right. opposite of sloth. Now, okay, so this one also, this is going to be a teachable moment. So uh, let's, let's, let's listen very carefully here. Emily, back to you. Emily, who is the patron saint of maids? What? Um, I think it, it's maybe Martha because she served, you know, from the story from scripture where she was working and her sister was listening to Jesus, so maybe it was Martha. Is she a saint? Yeah, she's definitely a saint. Okay. <laughs> saint Martha is a saint, yeah, for sure. Okay, so Saint Martha is your answer. Yeah. Are, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you uh, sure? Well, no, I'm not okay, sure. Okay. But... Let's see what Adrian has to say then. Uh, Adrian, who is the patron saint of maids? Um, okay, so this is kind of weird. Don't ask me why I know this, but Saint Zita. Wow. Yeah, don't don't. I want to ask you why you know this. Don't, don't, don't worry. Don't don't ask questions. Okay. Just just trust the plan. I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Is it uh, Saint Martha for Emily or Saint Zita for Adrian? Chris, what say you? I don't know. Adrian sounds pretty sure, so I'm going to go with Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> Survey says, congratulations. You, you didn't go. fall for it, Chris. Uh, I'm very proud of you. You didn't fall for that one. Now, uh, St. Zita, born in 1218. She died in uh, 1278. She was canonized in, tw- in 1696. Her feast day is April the 27th. She's also known as uh, Sitha or Scythia. Uh, Zita came from a poor but deeply devotional family. The lack of social standing is probably the reason Zita's last name has been has not been recorded in history. So fascinating fact about Saint Zita. We'll post a link to her story as well over at Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Chris, congratulations. Two times in the coffee cup of divine providence. How do you feel? Feel great. Yeah, <laughs> praise God. Well, uh, you know, Friday we'll be pulling the winner out, and who knows, maybe Maybe the uh, Rosenberg will be put on the map finally and, and uh, get a, a win in the winner column for a wonderful prize. And one more time, what's the uh, prize this week, Emily? Aroma Rosary is giving away their Guadalupe bracelet. Yeah, praise God. Well, Chris, we're so grateful you're a part of our program today. Thank you for being on with us. Thank you, guys. And I love y'all's show. Thank you.
God bless you. We love you. you too, Chris. I'm going to put you on hold, Chris, so that we can get your phone number uh, in case you are the winner. So don't go anywhere there. All right. So a couple of minutes left in the uh, first half hour of this program of Catholic Drive Time. Don't forget, coming up here, the Holy Mass will begin to play at 7.30 out of Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. It's a beautiful chapel. I've said it a few times. You should check it out if you haven't done so already. But uh, So stand by for that across the Guadalupe Radio Network. If you'd like to hang out with us for the next uh, 20 minutes or so beyond that, we would love to have you. Facebook, Twitter, or, or YouTube, search for Catholic Drive Time, or GRN Online is a great place to go as well. And you can find those platforms wherever we're linking. And we'd love to know where you're from. Maybe uh, what parish you go to. If you have any questions or comments, we'd like to field those as well. I'm just noticing, though, and this may be a talking point in the uh, in the after show here. Uh, Bree Dale, who is a, a you know sort of a frequent contributor to our program, she tweeted out breaking news. Newsmax uh, was asking the press secretary for President Joe Biden why President Biden signed an executive order lifting the ban on China to have access to the U.S. power grid. Uh, it's a national uh, security risk, and the press secretary could not answer the question. Now, what's fascinating about that is there was a story about two weeks ago uh, about a, a Chinese uh, CCP-related businessman who purchased about 100,000 or more acres in Texas to build a wind farm that would have to have access to the U.S. power grid. You know, opening a major security risk there. So we may have to have that conversation here in the after show. We'll see. But we conversate about whatever was on the show, whatever organically happens. So join us on Facebook, Twitter, or on YouTube. We'd love to have you a part of that conversation, taking your questions or your comments, and we'd love to know where you're from. So that's going to do it for the radio side of our broadcast today. We're always so very grateful you're a part of our show. We have a wonderful lineup of guests all week long today, or this week. So tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, Catholic Drive Time. We'll be back with you live across the Guadalupe Radio Network, the Stations of the Cross, and all of our social platforms. Hector Molina joins the show tomorrow. God love you. God bless you. And have a great day. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Welcome to the after show of Catholic Drive Time. We're very grateful that you're you're hanging out with us for the next 20 minutes or so. Praise be to God. Uh, Emily, anything stand out to you in the show today? No, but I did want to point out, uh, Lori said, suggested St. Hazel for the game show, patron saint of maids. And I'm doing some research, and I can't find a thing about St. Hazel. Never heard of her before. So, Lori, if you've got more information on that, I'd be very curious to hear that. Yeah, praise God. Uh, so, uh, St. Zita. Uh, from an early age, Zita expressed concern for the poor and the helpless of Luca, as her reputation spared or spread rather. So I, I'm getting old and I can't read very well. The needy began to seek her out. They did not sit well with the uh, Fatinelli family, as time spent uh, with poor was not time spent in her 
in her maidservant duties. Okay, so it's very small font, and I'm just like, I gotta, I, I gotta, I gotta be honest with so, you. So I gotta uh, be on right here live on uh, the social stream, real quick. <laughs> I don't mind going bald. Okay, that's part of life. I don't mind gray hair. I, I, I think I look more distinguished with gray hair. Uh, certainly, I, I don't mind. Uh, I don't mind being fat because uh, Leviticus 3.16, the fat belongs to the Lord. I'm just saying you skinny people need to be very concerned about the coming apocalypse. Uh, however, I will outlast all of you like a camel in the desert. So I don't mind that. Uh, I do mind the glasses. Having to wear glasses has been a, a gut check to the ego. Uh, not being able to see has been hard. So I pray for my, for my, uh, my bruised ego there. What were you going to say, Adrian? I was going to say, uh, Lori on Facebook said uh, St. Hazel uh, for the trivia game show. Yeah, we so. just pointed that out oh. when you were yeah, over there. That's <laughs> Thanks, though. We that's awkward. Contribution. Well, Jesus Robles also <laughs> says, love y'all, guys. So uh, we love you, too, Jesus. Uh, comment uh, something positive about Dominicans again so I could read it out loud. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Enough. Wa- Joaquin also on Facebook uh, says uh, he's waving. We're waving right back at you, Joaquin. Hey. Thanks for being a part of our program. Uh, I don't know if there's anybody over on YouTube side today watching. Uh, we'd love to know where you're from. Uh, maybe you can uh, chat there. I see a Jesus over there. I see a Monica over there. God love you. God bless you. We're very... Uh, we're very grateful. They want us to post articles all over on YouTube as well. Yes. So Jesus asked if we could post them on YouTube. So I started posting them on YouTube. Um, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Right. So uh, they he's asked for me to post the links there. So I they're there. So on YouTube, if you're watching on YouTube, I uh, po- posted all the links to all the articles on Facebook into the comment section there. It's super hard to think, to talk. And to multitask on the air at the There's same time. There's a lot going on. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. So, Always. like, we're trying to conversate, and I feel bad, you know. Um, there was a, what was that, what was that Michael Meyer movie, uh, the spinoff of the SNL skit where they were doing the rock concert thing? I have no idea That is so about. specific. I have no clue. <sighs> I don't watch SNL. Things I'm that anybody under 30 has never heard of, right? We should have a whole segment on this. And so we're going to talk about sea shanties. Only if you let us show you some things, too. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Things people over 40 have never heard of. We'll have that (laughs) one, too. Over 50 is what I was thinking. Uh, I'm not there, okay? I am sub-50. Thank you. mm. Sub-50. But there was... uh, 49. All of a sudden, I keep wanting to say Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, but that is not the (laughs) film that I'm referring to. (laughs) I'm thinking of Michael Myers. And uh, where was I going to go with this? There was something I was <laughs> no going to say with this. About. Oh, uh, they were making... Wayne's they, World. They, they, Wayne, thank you. I appreciate it. That's Lori on uh, Facebook commenting oh, hey. Wayne's World. The, thank you, Lori. Don't give Adrian credit uh, for I that. appreciate uh, being my research assistant there, Lori. I, at least someone's working in, in, on this show. Uh, <laughs> no, in Wayne's World, they were mocking radio hosts for, for never listening to what the guest would say. Oh. You know? <laughs> So, <laughs> so they, you know, they were. There was this whole skit where they were being interviewed on the local radio station, and the radio, uh, the host was like, "Gone, uh huh, yeah, uh huh," but never paying attention. And then to- ask a question that was like completely unrelated exactly. to what he said. Exactly. And then, <laughs> so I was watching. You know, I always get nervous that my guests who are seeing me multitask are thinking this guy's not even listening to me. 
Like, is it paying no attention? So I get, I sometimes like have to wait until we go to break or whatever to post the links I say I'm going to post, just so that I, I'm mm-hmm. not feeling totally rude to our guests. And I also need to plug in. I need to be able to listen. So it's been very hard. But uh, Leticia over on uh, Facebook, thanks for hanging out with us this morning. Says, good morning. You all are a great team. Well, God bless you, Leticia. I'm, I'm glad you, you're part of it. Praise God for that. Um, wow. What else? Uh, the conversation with Thomas Spence today was pretty good. Yeah, and it was super relevant. We were just talking about Dr. Kerry Gress's book being censored yesterday. So, yeah, yeah modern day book. And I love that distinction he made between canceling and blacklisting mm-hmm. and, and how he explained that blacklisting is silencing, base, sil- silencing someone based on their ideas before they've even said something. Mm. It it's literally is very insane um, to live in a world where you have to make sure that your opponent, the opposite of, of your political worldview, or even religious worldview, is not given an opportunity to have any voice whatsoever. You know, I, how many times have you been on social media? I mean, I can't even count. So many times I have seen people say so many blasphemous and crazy things. And I just keep scrolling. Like, I, like I'll, I'll, I'll stop and I'll pray for them or I'll be mad at something they've said. But I don't, I don't go launching into them. I don't know. I think if someone says something blasphemous, they should probably be canceled. Well, there you go, folks. <laughs> Out of the mouths of babes. I, I am a, a very large, a huge advocate of uh, blasphemy laws. Uh, like, that's, that's not okay. That's one of the greatest sins. You, you should not be. We should not allow blasphemy in, uh, in the world. But obviously, we live in a secular culture who doesn't care about that. So... I mean, we live with what we have, but blasphemy is a very, very wicked thing that we should not tolerate. Uh, whenever you hear blasphemy in the workplace and in daily life, I always try to uh, get in the habit of anytime I hear the name of our Lord and our Lady uh, blasphemed, to at least bow my head. Offer um, a reparation. To, absolutely, in reparation, because yeah. it's, it's evil. And I think they said that Padre Pio, when he was a child, whenever he heard someone yes. curse or take the Lord's name in vain, he would say a prayer. He'd run. And, he would run yeah. the other way. Yeah. Mm. He didn't want to have anything to do with people committing any sins. And actually, from personal experience, I used to live with someone who would take the Lord's name in vain, like, constantly. Yeah. And I used to say, um, bow my head and say, blessed be his name every time he did that. Oh, wow. And he stopped because he was so annoyed that I would respond that way. <laughs> so it worked. <laughs> That's brilliant. What a smart tactic there. Um, uh, Maria Wade over on YouTube says, hi, guys. I'm a parishioner at St. Maximilian Kolbe. One of these days, I'll call in for the trivia questions. Awesome. We would love to have you. Praise God. It's good to see you. Thanks to, thank you for uh, hanging out with us on, uh, on YouTube. We're very grateful. Uh, by the way, uh, while you're there, make sure you smash the like button. The like button is kind of more empower- It's more powerful than even the subscribe button. Um, in the YouTube algorithm, subscribe doesn't necessarily mean all that much, to be honest with you. I mean, if you hit the subscribe button and the bell, okay, that helps. But to really push and, and spread, you have to hit the like and the share. Those are two more powerful things you could do for us on YouTube. But we have been um, we have been doing the uh, Rumble. We looked at several sites. In fact, yesterday I found two more sites. Uh, Odyssey. Have you guys ever heard of Odyssey? 
No, no, not at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, Odyssey There's and, so and Ooge, Ooge, what? Ooge-net? What was yeah, it called? Yeah, that was weird. That, that's what it was called. Ooge. Are you sure it's Ooge. pronounced that way? It was Ooge. It was Ooge. It's Bigly. It's very Bigly. Bigly YouTube channel. Yeah. I was about to launch into a Trump voice there. I should avoid that, probably. But at any rate, we've been posting on Rumble. We're trying to see if we can find an audience elsewhere. And this is difficult days ahead. Go ahead, Adrian. Yeah, I think it's clear that we're being uh, some kind of censored on YouTube because we have like three times more viewers on Rumble than we do on YouTube. But YouTube is a much bigger platform, has much more people on it. Yet we're getting like two, three times more views on Rumble than we are on YouTube and our Catholic Drive Time YouTube channel. So that kind of surprises me. Um, so that must tell, that tells me something is not right with the algorithm. Anything that says Catholic in it must be like getting throttled or something. I don't know. I'm not sure what it is, but it, it seems clear to me that something's happening. That does smell fishy. Well, we st- even on our GRN Online YouTube channel, we have, I don't know, 1,300 plus subscribers. Uh, we get less than 50 views of a, any particular video anymore. Back in a year ago at this time, I was getting, you know, north of 10,000 views on some videos. So something changed significantly on YouTube to crush our audience there and our, our reach. That's the, that's the algorithm game on YouTube. It's been very difficult to overcome. I would say the same thing is true over on Facebook. Although we have the most interaction and the most watch time on our Facebook side, we are I'm I'm looking at the video views, looking at the video engagement. It's still also very small. And uh, I used to, as I've, I've said this a bunch of times, I used to use uh, watch parties and other things to try to spread that out. And they've taken all that away from me. So who knows what the future is, which is why we're trying to expand to new platforms. Um, is anybody on MeWe? I'd love to know. Uh, my wife says there's a growing community on MeWe. We haven't posted anything to MeWe. Emily, that was your one job you had to do, and you haven't <laughs> done that yet. My only job. Your only I'm job. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but you've been posting to Instagram. How does Instagram look for us? Um, Instagram is growing. Actually, Instagram is doing pretty well. We have people watching our daily stories that we post. So, And I'm trying to appeal to the younger generations there. So, Like you, our age. Like our age, <laughs> yeah. Gen Z, millennials, they use Instagram. <laughs> Do they? Um, yes. What about uh, Twitter? It's almost got nothing. Twitter's it's very gone downhill dead. fast. People are evacuating Twitter like yeah. there's a fire. <laughs> Twitter is going downhill very fast. There is a fire. It's because of the their radical, insane censorship. People are just leaving the platform. And people... So many people have been complaining. I just saw Eric Sammons this morning that they are losing followers. Twitter will remove your followers. And I've seen this happening for for a long time now, but yeah, not good. That's why people are leaving Twitter because it's fighting against them. Yeah. Well, praise God. And I know, um, I know there are a lot of people who uh, we we spend a lot of time talking about these things and a lot of people don't like that. They don't want to have these conversations. They don't think they're very edifying and you, you're probably not wrong. They're not edifying. I would agree. Uh, it's not, it's not fun to always think of, uh, of the headline news and, and to sort of focus on the more negative aspects Part of the reason why we do it is because we have to keep you informed of what's going on. And a lot of people want to just pretend as though we can just focus on all the piety and nothing else, and that's going to be fine. Well, personal holiness and piety, yes, agreed, praise God. 
But at the same time, as, a, as our society keeps going down this road, it's becoming more and more of a problem. What should we do about it? Well, uh, grow in holiness. Uh, go to confession more frequently. Receive the sacraments as often as you can. Um, grow in your personal piety. Lead your family and your friends uh, to Christ and, uh, and grow in your faith. But at the same time, we have to be paying attention. I, the Catholic evangelist could potentially lose their voice. Uh, yesterday, I was watching an interview with the, uh, the, the outgoing FCC chairman, um, Mr. Pai. And I, I took in, I listened to this man give a speech a couple years ago at the National Association of Broadcasters Conference in Las Vegas. And uh, listening to him and his desire to try to save radio as a, as a means and a medium that can reach the masses even into the next century. He has tried during his term. He was appointed by President Obama. And yet in this conversation I listened to yesterday, there's real concern real concern that that's not going to be the case. That we're seeing a, a censorship, as we've been discussing now for a, quite a while, uh, happening, and it could affect, and there could be a real effect, even in the, on the radio side. And as I've said, it's the last opportunity uh, to reach the masses uh, in a medium like this, and it's, it's going to take a hit, I think. In that circumstance, the lay faithful need to know what are the means and uh, methods of communication. How can we con continue to connect with each other and, and get the word out there? So that's part of what our goal is with this program. It's not just the news. It's not just uh, these other things. It's to keep you updated and informed. But at the same time, we also love our elements of the saint of the day, gospel of the day. That's one of my favorite sections of the whole show, to be honest. M way more than the news stuff. Uh, I don't know about you guys. The trivia game show is a lot of fun too. Yeah, game show and the uh, yeah, not definitely not the news, but the gospel, the commentary, the way we bounce off each other and just discuss that is really good. Uh, Mara Wade on uh, YouTube says, "By the way, I bought the book uh, Carrie Gress's book yesterday." So, oh, cool! That's awesome. Yes. Yeah, so more people buying the book. So praise be to Jesus Christ. It's it's a great book. I yeah, go go if y'all did not if anybody did not hear the interview uh, with Carrie Gress on her book, uh, go back onto our Catholic Drive Time YouTube channel or mm -hmm. Rumble page and go see it there because it was a great interview. She did a great job. Um, we did an okay job, and uh, she's uh she, yeah she's wonderful. She's and her brilliant. other books too are wonderful as well. So mm -hmm. yeah, and also it she puts out great stuff for women. So also the theology of home is just a great magazine that she published. So big fan of Carrie Gress here. Um, I, can, I, can I bring something up? Sure. Okay, so from the headlines, um, so we talked to Monsignor Charles Pope, and in his article he spoke about how um, a couple days ago, we, in his article he said it was a mistake to completely shut down the sacraments. Now, we, we saw Portugal in the headlines this week doing that again for the second time they've suspended public masses which is really disappointing because they're sending out that message again that the holy sacrifice of the Mass is not essential, which is absurd. Um, and now from the headlines today, uh, we see in China the government officials are trying to scapegoat Catholics and say that they are the cause, their religious activities are the cause of the COVID-19 vaccine, which is like something from Nazi Germany. But here's what, the, here's what the government official said. It is necessary to learn lessons from the spread of the epidemic caused by religious activities and suspend group activities in religious places of worship and other gathering places. How is this different from what's going on in Portugal or here in America, where 
we see religious gatherings, the holy sacrifice of the mass, which is one of the safest activities you can do, um, especially if you you accommodate with social distancing and, you know, masking, whatever you need. Um, one of the safest activities, and yet the government is telling us that the spread of the epidemic is caused by religious activities. But people, again, I know we've talked about this before, but really the unnecessary persecution towards religious worship specifically when all kinds of materialism and shopping and other events are just allowed to go on is ridiculous so a connection between america and china there like we don't look very different at this point when it comes to banning worship yeah absolutely and i i had uh something that i wanted to bring up in the what's concerning us section but um i wasn't sure it, how joe would react to it but i oh, think this is the fun. perfect opportunity to bring it up oh, do no. it uh so the well that's gonna do it for the show today oh, no. <laughs> god love you god bless you gotta go <laughs> no the uh there's two things actually so one thing that was uh that uh and i'll keep this pg um <laughs> the oh, uh, boy. yeah so miley cyrus just got canceled oh and uh oh, and so she got canceled because she's a she identifies as a pansexual which means she's attracted to pans uh no i'm just kidding no <laughs> oh. she that means that she's I attracted said pc no yeah you she's said, attracted to all genders which i'm not sure how that's different from bisexual anyways so she uh said that she likes basically she said at pg she likes women more than men and the trans gender community just went wild and was like how dare you say that you like women more than men there's no difference between the two yada 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 and now they're canceling her uh so now they're eating their own it's imploding Um, yeah it's imploding on themselves because there's no logical consistency so they're just constantly contradicting themselves and it's a battle between who gets to control the narrative there Um, i think we need this, this should remind us and i think this is a topic that doesn't get talked about all that much anymore uh, in Catholic circles, because we tend to focus on some other things, but um, we need to be praying for people who are confused by their gender, confused in the in the issues of sexuality, morality. We need to pray for them, pray for their psychological and emotional uh, well-being, but more importantly for their reversion and conversion of heart, especially for their salvation, um, because just on a practical level, just on a practical level, when it comes to the transgender issue. Depression and suicide is way higher than any other segment mm-hmm. of society. Yes. These people are, are not living good and healthy lives. It's not good for them. It's bad in, on, many, on many fronts. And I think this should remind us that uh, this is a very difficult situation for these people. We need to be praying for them. Are we praying for them? Do I pray for them? I need to pray more often, I think, for them. Yeah. And we as a church need to return to the basics, to have a catechesis on sexuality, why did God make us this way? Yeah, exactly. So, so many people have forgotten. Okay, and then the la- the other thing I wanted to bring up, and now I only have like thirty seconds. The uh, the comic book industry has started to put more and more, and so this is a great topic to talk about because of so many. These are children that this is targeted towards is brainwashing children into the transgender ideology and so on and so forth because they are starting to gear like they're changing Batman, they're changing Spider-Man, they're changing all these characters that were awesome, good, wholesome characters as children and turning them uh, as propaganda tools for children to indoctrinate them into uh, the, the secular culture, the transgender culture and so on and so forth. Isaiah 520. Look it up. Pray and meditate on that and pray for the world and the confusion, the diabolical confusion that pervades our our communities, our society, our world at large. Let's pray and ask Our Lady to crush the head of Satan today. Let's pray and ask St. Joseph, the terror of demons, to 
to uh, chase them away with his staff. Let's ask our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to give us the grace of salvation today. And let us do the will of God, because as believers, we must do the will of God. If we love him, we'll obey him. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Catholic Drive Time, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. See you then. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.